first question. Would you drink from the spring? Living forever is a tough question that has always plagued the um, philosophers. <laughs> You're getting very esoteric. Uh, would I want to live forever? Uh, if I had the right reason, and you're a pretty good reason, so. Well, what would you do if I wasn't around? Oh, that's, that's, that's tough. That's really tough. I don't know if I would want to live forever. I would want to live a really long time, like, like a hundred years, a hundred and fifty years, but, uh, like I would want it to be a fulfilled life, but I don't know if I could live forever. I would get bored. Well, I think even harder is if you live forever, is it live forever stuck the way you are or live forever is that you age forever and ever Nicholas Flamel style and you just get 600 years old and you feel 600 years old no no I can't do that (laughs) I mean I'm almost 30 and I feel 60 so (laughs) oh you don't look a day over 305 thank you darling I don't know either I'm pretty much uh eternity pretty much terrifies me that's probably my only fear at this point. So dying really scares me at that point. Uh, so I'm, I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place, I think. Well, you know what my fear is? What? The horrors of Spider Island! No one who doesn't live in our house is going to get that, Aaron. There are two people, at least in this world, who get... Well, sorry, no, I was thinking Futurama reference. Uh, <laughs> no, there are people in this world who get that reference. Just not many not many at all, and it has nothing to do with the topic we are discussing. You just None wanted to whatsoever. say, you just wanted to make a silly voice. Uh, yeah, I was asking you a serious question. And you just wanted to be silly. That's what I do. That's how I play. Well, I guess I'm gonna have to live forever now, just so I can keep going. <sighs> whenever you make bad jokes, I have to have someone to roll their eyes at me every time I make a bad joke. <laughs> it can't just be that plug on the cruise ship. It, it can't just be that he's Aaron. And she's Elizabeth. And, and we're, we're married, married to the, the idea. idea. We're back! Yay! <laughs> Vacation mode deactivated. Ah, that's a dang shame. But it is nice to be back in the house, not on a rocking boat. Although I keep swaying back and forth, even though we've been on land for four days now, and I really shouldn't be swaying anymore. Yeah... Uh, it's, it's hard not to sway, but, uh, when your internal compass is, keeps moving back and forth, back and forth. It feels very disconcerting. Uh, (laughs) but Aaron was very kind. I really do not want to do the last movie of Summer of Disney. I really, really, really don't want to. So he was kind and said we could trade things out, save that for the later bit, and instead do today's movie... As Another you, Disney movie from way, way back in the early 2000s. I always forget that this was a Disney movie. I know. As when we popped in the DVD, <laughs> movie surfers came up. And they started talking the about the concept art for this new movie called Pirates of the Caribbean. Based on the ride? That's so weird. That's not going to go that anywhere. That ain't places. Although it also had a very ill-timed commercial for the Haunted Mansion ooh, movie. Ooh. <laughs> Jennifer Tilly was the... Well, no. There was a few good parts, but there were few and far between. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Jennifer Tilly, uh, what's his face, is the butler, and then the guy, mm. uh, the guy as the 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 lover. That Mr. was about it, Mr. Gracie. Yeah, Mr. Gracie. That was about it. That's about it. Yep. The Pirates of the Caribbean. It was not. No. It was no sea burglars. It, it, no, no sea burglars. Adventures on the high sea. Uh, it it uh, did also ruin the plans for the uh, It's a Small World After All movie that was uh, in works after that. See, I don't actually know if you're joking or not. <laughs> uh, as far as I know, I'm joking. The problem is, it's Disney. I could easily, I could be joking, but there could have been something on the table. Mm-hmm. And as with most of the movies I really like discussing, there is a book counterpart. Yay! Woo-hoo. And as always, I read the book first, and as always, I have opinions. But it's going all to make... All the opinions. All the opinions. But it's going to make talking about our sponsor really easy. Babe, who is our sponsor today? Our sponsor, as always, uh, is Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash idea and browse the unmasked selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash idea. I bet you can guess what book we're going to recommend, but let's save that for the sponsor dome. <laughs> let's save that that guessing game for the middle. It could be anything, guys. Anything. Literally anything. But let's talk about Tuck Everlasting. Um this movie came out from Disney in 2002 based on the book by Natalie Babbitt, and it explores the dark side of immortality. And I always really enjoy children's literature where they don't cookie sugarcoat it, where they get... Cookie sugar? Cookie sugar, sugar cookie coat it, that they don't mind getting down into the nitty gritty and talking about really hard stuff. Uh this one in particular talks about, you know, is living forever all it's cracked up to be? Kind of the opposite way of talking about sparkly vampires, which no matter how much they angst, it's still very desirable. How old are you? 17. How long have you been 17? 90 years. A while. If you're going to reference it, best be ready with that A-game material. Oh, I'm sorry that I didn't properly reference Twilight. My bad. Oh, see, what Aaron's not telling you is that when he heard that I liked Twilight, he read all of the books to impress me. Middle school and high school. I don't don't regret that decision whatsoever. Not at all. High school was a weird time, guys. (laughs) Yeah, speaking of cruises, one of my cruises that I went on while she and I were dating, I was definitely an angsty teenager. Were we speaking of cruises? That was our vacation. We that went on our, a cruise. Yeah, yeah, our vacation that made us skip a, a week. The so. rocking of the boat. Yeah, I suppose we did. Yeah, uh, we mentioned it. But this one is a bit more about if you could, would you? If you were a, a child feeling like your life was lacking adventure and you went on this adventure and you had the ability to freeze yourself in time as you are now, would you want to? Does fear of death counteracted enough to make you want to give up that part of your life for eternity and it's um it's actually very interesting that not only a kid's book that does this but it's also it's disney that is produced this they easily could have released this i wouldn't say under miramax but um the new line could have been there because they they bought that company specifically to be able to release their movies that they wanted to let out but that weren't really like 
Disney properties. Yeah, like the Disney movies, um, because that's why um, Nightmare Before Christmas came out. Uh, it's now under the Disney banner, but it came out under New Line or the Miramax, whichever ba- banner it came out of in the first place. Um, and this but- was the progenitor towards projects like Bridge to Terabithia, where you take an Ugh. old children's classic and retool it for the Disney brand. I will say they do a pretty good job of not Disneying all over it. Probably except for one decent-sized part. Um, There's a lot. But we'll probably get to that. There's uh, definitely differences between this and the book. Yeah. The book, um, more and more, and it's because people keep pointing it out to me more and more, I realize how many movies have narration. Narration that often doesn't reveal who the narrator was or why it was there. Narration often existing because they don't trust the audience to pick up what they're putting down. (laughs) It would be so, I think... Come along, audience. Follow along. Especially with book adaptations. There are some parts of the book that they use for the narration, but not much. And so I'm not really sure why they included narration at all. I think they do enough with uh, the dialogue to make it unnecessary and the narrator i don't even know who it is it they never say oh it's um the main character grown up or like a sister or even like a daughter or something like that yeah well no it wouldn't have been a sister but you know like maybe like the daughter or something like that no they never they never talk about it but um I, i wanted to take a small step backwards real quick um because you brought something up and um and this and I, I wanted to talk about this before we moved on um, real quick the you said that this book does deal or this story rather deals with the dark side of immortality um, and you're absolutely right um, they they deal with some very heavy themes um, and uh, I have a theory about how, why they wrote this book in the first place um, and why actually, schools use this book a lot of times too and i may or may not be right um but I, i'm actually reading this web comic uh liz and i highly highly recommend even though our sponsor is audible we highly recommend uh a online um web comic app and website called webtoons um it's actually produced or a uh, content or sorry creator published and um operate and everything like that and it's it's a very very great site um you know you can support the artists there and everything like that and she and i follow our similar ones and the same ones and our own ones and one that i've recently started following is called everywhere and nowhere it's a kind of a interesting take on gildenstern and rosencrantz um but people have done that kind of stuff like gildenstern and rosencrantz are dead um, it it's kind of t- almost takes out like that title and flips it on its head and says no. In fact, they're immortal and they can time travel, <laughs> and they're also anime and <laughs> yeah. I've I the concept is really weird, but it works for this how they tell these stories. Um, but recently they're they're getting this into some kind of heavy themes, um. I have to admit, if they didn't get through their first story arc, I would not have kept following them. Uh, but I'm really glad that I did because once I got through it and they're into this story arc that they're in now, it's so much better. It's like 
worlds different. Um, and they haven't even completed, they're like not even halfway through. Um, but like there was about two or three strips dealing with, um, cause it's, they changed the gender, uh, from, I think of Gildenstern to a female and make her kind of royalty. I think like a, a, a duchess of, sh- of some sort. Um, and, but the, and Rosencrantz is actually a, like a helper of some sort. Uh, he, he has a dream where he sees themselves, themselves, but like 10,000 years in the future or like a thousand years in the future. And like, they're like the worst versions of themselves. Like Gildenstern is so bored that like, she'll bite her thumb just to have a little bit like make it bleed just to make, have like a little bit of excitement. And Rosencrantz himself will like, start wars and enslave entire nations just to make things interesting for themselves. So it's, it's, it's really, you're talking about a dark, um, view on immortality. I've never, I've never thought about immortality like that. Like I've always thought, Oh yeah, I can live forever. This might actually happen if you live forever. And you don't really realize it, but like with Tuck Everlasting, how they deal with some of these kind of themes, like what would happen if you live forever? You might run into this. So I, 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 that was something I wanted to talk about. Sorry. No, that's cool. There's a lot of comics that deal with that too. Like especially Hulk and Wolverine. Oh yeah. Those are those, yeah, those immortal characters wandering the deserts forever, unable to die, unable to change. It's probably the perfect setup for a comic book character because they live forever, anyways, in one form or another. They've they've theorized that um, that Hulk and Wolverine could never die because Hulk's gamma radiation would keep him from dying, and um, Wolverine's regenerative would keep him living. He wouldn't live forever, but he could live like a hundred lifetimes. So, um, but yeah, it's, it, immortality is a heavy subject, y'all. It's super dark. Um, there are a couple differences between book and movie, as always. Um, the parents of Winnie Foster are like non-characters in the book. They're just this oppressive force that likes to keep her at home. They don't even get names. They don't get characters. They aren't really much in the book at all, except when the man in the yellow suit goes to visit them, and at the end when they stand by what she did. And there's differences in that, too. Um, There's other little differences, like um, for the jailbreak, they actually take the bars off the window, and Winnie goes in and puts the blanket over her, and May sneaks out the window, and she just pretends to be May in the cell, giving them enough time to get away before the morning when she's sentenced to be hanged, and they constable comes in and takes the blanket off like what 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 wait a minute did the old switcheroo um it's a wait a minute yeah uh the constable's such a dope in the books like so incompetent and lazy and uh, just all these little things that i could go on and on about but i think the biggest thing is that the biggest disneyfying of this property is the relationship between winnie and jesse the youngest boy of the tuck family um they obviously have an instant connection. She sees him, and the book describes it like, and and then just seeing him, she lost her heart, and like that was that. 
and she, she just loved him immediately on sight. Uh, and he is very cute in the movie, so I understand why. <laughs> Heartthrob. Heartthrob. This was Alexis Bledel's first feature-length film debut uh, in the middle of her second year of doing Gilmore Girls, which is super cute. Just this was even before uh, Sisterhood of Traveling Pants. So mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the book, uh, it's uh, um, Miles, the... Uh, Older brother. Older brother. He's not quite so dark and bitter. The book describes him more as quiet, as not much to say. He's not angsty and, and, and angry all the time about what happened to his family. Because, again, they've lived for over nearly 100 years. You know, these things tend to, to mellow the more you go on. It's more that he's he's the sad, winsome one. He knows what has happened. He knows what will happen. He has experienced heartbreak and loss with his wife and his children. It's just very sad. But um, he is not he's not a jerk like he is in the movie. He, yeah, yeah. I get why they made it like a secondary antagonist it's kind of the same reason that they have rosalie and the cullen family because she's very bitter about being a vampire and wants everyone else to make sure that they don't think that oh it's such a glamorous lifestyle like no no this is terrible i would go back to the way i was in an instant yeah and she's not bitter about being a vampire she's bitter but she's bitter because she didn't have a choice and that Bella does. Yeah. Or, I can't believe we devolved into Twilight twice in one episode. Uh, We're talking about a love story involving immortality. We're going to devolve more on that. So. so here's the thing about the book. In the book, the more important character in the Tuck family is the patriarch, Angus Tuck himself. When Winnie is brought back to the Tuck house... He comes out and he sees her and like for the first time ever, he only smiles in his sleep because in his sleep he dreams that he's died and gone to heaven and he's very happy about that because they're immortal. They can't die and he that's what he dreams about. He's very rarely smiles when he's awake. But when he sees her, he smiles and he's like, you are the most important thing that has happened to us in 80 some odd years and we are so happy that you're here because they've never shared this secret with anyone. It's just a relief to be like, Finally, we have someone to tell about this. Because Lord forbid William Hurt show emotion. Yeah, uh, perhaps, perhaps a bit too stoic for this particular role. But he, he does. He is very stoic in the book too. The important thing is that um, when she gets there to the house, uh, she's only there for a day. In the movie, they say that it, how long was she there? It was hard to say. In this one, it's literally days. Like we'll bring you back in the morning, but we have to make sure we can trust you with our secret. And Tuck like immediately takes her out in the water and explains the concept of the wheel and how the tucks are like rocks and how they just are and you can't move. And they they recreate that scene very faithfully. Um, he's like, I don't know how to explain to you how important it is that you don't do this and. She says, well, I don't want to die. He's like, good, no one wants to. It's not about that. It's more about how you can grow and do more important things with your life and how it's so much important that you stay on the wheel as opposed to casting yourself off it. And at the end, um, it's actually Tuck and May who come back into town and find out that Winnie passed a couple years back um, and that Jesse kind of figured that she hadn't drank the water, that she wasn't going to wait, that she was going to live her life without him. It's, and she says that the one that she, um, that when he loved or cared about most was Tuck. Not that she didn't love Jesse, but that she, he was the one with such sadness and kindness that she wanted to make sure that nothing bad happened to him. Um, it was, it was more of like this, um, because she didn't really have like a father figure within the book, 
more like she really wanted to make sure that he was okay. Um, so they changed it from being more about this whole family and her growing to love all of them and to be much more specifically geared towards teen romance, her and Jesse keep yeah, heartthrobs. Because uh, if the way... Because I read the book back in school, but I remember n- almost none of it. I remember the... I don't even remember that there was an antagonist, the yeah, guy in the yellow suit. man in the yellow suit. Um, I The only part I remember is that uh, Jesse Tuck gives her a bottle of the water and tells her if she wants to... Because she's only 11 so, in the book. Yeah, wait, wait and drink the water whenever you're old enough, um, and I'll be back for you. And um, obviously that's a big-ass lie, but he... Um, but she decides to not drink it and pour it out on a toad. Yeah, she's there's um she's been having these conversations with this toad outside of the walls of her yard of this big fancy no life in it house as she describes it. And she and the toad have conversations and she's like, No, no, toad, I'm gonna get out of here. You just wait and see. Um, maybe I'll run away tomorrow. You don't know. And she, it's like her way of talking to herself. Um, and she sees the toad in the wood and she's like, oh, I'm glad I escaped today to show that toad up. I did what I said I would, toad. And then at the end, she's back inside the house and she's looking out and the toad's out there and this dog comes up and this dog, you know, starts like batting in. She's like, oh, please don't do that. No, don't hurt him. And like, she's like, and she's in a fit. She opens the bottle and she pours it all out on the toad to keep him safe forever. And when the tucks come back through, like, some many decades later there's a toad sitting in the middle of the road uh in the middle of their carriage and they stop the carriage to move it and they're like dang thing acts like it's gonna live forever so <laughs> it's it's a cute little like callback again and again this toad this, this immortal toad <laughs> do you think rapunzel with pasquale is kind of a sly reference to that i do like rapunzel and pascal um the toad is not so much her friend more of the means for her to understand what she's going to do with her life sort of thing yeah so and I and I can see like how Angus Tuck would be more of not not the love focus but like who she he's the heart of with. this family he's it's 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 saddest for him to see you know his whole family never age him to never age never grow old with his wife to never see his children grow up with children of their own it's just very very sad for him and. Um, well, I, I, I don't mind that they focus more on the romance. It's not a problem to me, but it makes it a, a bit more heartthrobby than the book implies. Well, it feels like what you're saying is that the, um, uh, because her family is never really involved in the book, uh, so that's why she's very, she just absolutely grasps onto this, yeah, this, this whole family. F- this family is like, her family unit like i love them i love them that's why i went it's like with um meet the robinsons yeah so, it does feel very much like that so but like um with the change um because not only is it more about teen romance but the age is also changed as well make it more so like they you know a lot of that <laughs> a lot you know it actually had a lot of charged energy for a Disney film. There was there was some. It moments. got charged, and I'm like, boy, yeah. this is very risque for Disney in um, a way that all of their little teeny bopper pop idols just are yeah. not right now. You want to know something really, really, really weird? What? Alexis Fidel was 21 when she recorded that. I know. 
21. She has the same problem I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's 21. And then the guy who played uh, Jesse uh, was 20. Oh, wow. She was older than him. Mm-hmm. That's kind of fun. It's, I like that. It's so weird whenever, like, I mean, it, it makes sense. If, you, if you've if you got it, use it. But it's so, and, and a lot of times whenever you're around that age, um, for, like, kid actors and stuff like that, you don't, you don't always... It's not that you say you don't look the part, but like whenever you're trying to get that exact age, it doesn't always work because the they don't have the right maturity level to uh, pull it off. To pull it off, so, um, but it's so, it was just so weird. Um, but I did, I both like the change and don't like the change because yeah, they did it to make it about the teen romance, but and it's it kind of is uh like teen rom you know teeny bopper they're, they're this is when this is uh early millennium disney so they're going after the teen girls like Hil- like the hillary duffs the um uh lizzie mcguire lizzie mcguire's that that kind of uh, kim possible which i am not hating on kim possible kim possible was an awesome show awesome. um but it was definitely geared towards that audience me even as a teen boy could still enjoy it but it's still geared towards that audience uh and this is one of those movies again like sisterhood of traveling pants that was a very lucrative audience i'm not i'm not bashing on it i'm just uh, identifying it but it also instead of having the theme be about family and like having your family experience what it should experience it became more about growing up as a young woman i like the change that they made with the grandmother uh dying at the end that's not even did hint- that happen in the book no oh see I, that in the books it's just her grandma her mom and her dad and she never you know her grandma's always telling her to be a proper lady and her mom's very stoic there was something really intimate and quiet about her watching from the doorway as her grandmother is passing and her, and her stoic is... mother just getting into bed next to her and laying down next to her like this beautiful mother-daughter moment and then afterwards her stoic mother finally breaking down and saying i wanted to keep you young forever and again like that was not a theme in the book they added that layer in and it's so good that okay so that I, I I gotta give that to the filmmakers because that is not something, especially because with the um the original book doing this more family element, changing that okay well we gotta make it more about the uh the teen romance we've got, we've gotta appeal to the audience I, like the the studio Disney's like well we gotta make it more about the teen romance, okay, but we're also gonna do this we're also gonna make these changes okay it's a really old book who's gonna give a shit you know and like i i i definitely did not see that my first viewing because i was a kid when i first viewed this uh mentally maybe not so much physically but at least mentally so it was at least in my uh preteens yeah preteens era uh but that rewatching it you know just now it really like because they're talking about um in the the narration unnecessary narration but still in the narration how a change is coming and 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 she's blossoming into womanhood and whether that happens in the book or not yeah you were a child 
and soon you will be a woman. Like, yeah. they talk about it that way. And, like, with the, the talk with Angus, like, how they, instead of doing it really early in the movie, they do it later on in the movie. There's a definite... I think the reason why it's so much more about the family in the book is because... And why, at the end of it, it's Tuck and May who come back is because they care about Winnie so much. The first minute May sees her, she's like, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. You're, you're, you're such a nice girl. I would never want to hurt you. We'll get you home, I promise. We, we're not bad people, I promise. Um, those two really want her to grow up and live her life. They love her so much, they wish that she was their own, but they want her to live her life fully. And even May is guilty of wanting to keep her around. Uh, but Tuck is the only one to truly be like, this is what is best for her. And when they go and they see that she's died, he says, good for you. Like, you did the right thing. That was a smart thing to do. You lived your life. And that was the most important thing you could have done with your life is live it. I, and see, like, I can see that being done well in the book because I can see Angus being a, a stronger character in the book. In the movie... I don't know if it's because of how it's written or how it's um, acted with uh, William Hurt. William Hurt is a weird actor. He He's not a bad actor, but he's overly stoic. I would have liked Vigo Mortensen in that role. I think he has a he quiet sort of dignity. He would have been too young at that age. I know, I know. Um, but Vigo Mortensen, I, he's he's happy enough. He can, or he can project happiness enough. Um and the guy from uh, uh, Beautiful Mind, the one I was trying to think of earlier, he might have been good too because he, again, can project happiness enough, but he's still very stoic. So um, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, but I I did enjoy the overall themes that they were projecting um, in the movie that probably weren't coming across in the book. So I'll... Uh, I, I've reiterated that enough, so I think it's time for the uh, sponsor dome, don't you? Two sponsors enter, one sponsor leaves. Did we get another sponsor? Um, let's have our second sponsor be all the teachers going back to school this week. Let's give a shout out to all the teachers and students who are going back to school and starting this new phase of their life. We need to give it up for them. Props, props. Uh, absolutely. You know, uh, there's both Liz and I have been influenced by many teachers in our lives. Um, you know, in fact, we still have a very close connection to our old art teacher, uh, Miss Wendy Love. You know, shout out to her. Miss Love is responsible for most everything in my professional career up to this point. <laughs> um, I I remember uh, I've just told I just told the story to or I just re reiterated the story to you the other day or uh, about one of her, one of the first classes I had with Miss Love and she talked about how she had a blade or a knife or something like that she's this is my this is my special blade it cuts very very nicely and if anything were to happen to this special blade some very very bad things would happen and she had super crazy eyes and I remember thinking my god this woman is insane I love her. <laughs> and from then on, um, I, res I had a high respect for her. And in fact, I remember um, that was my second, it was the spring semester of my freshman year. And I was having some trouble, uh, you know, turning homework in and stuff like that. And 
she was still like because uh, she she and put the, the fear of God in you. Well, yeah, but uh, she was one of my, like of the four teachers I had that semester. She was probably the biggest advocate because she sat the four teachers sat down with my mom and they described that I was really good in class. I just didn't turn in homework and this and that. But she mom always remembered that she was my biggest advocate. It's like he loves creating and creation stuff like that. So. So yes, to uh, veteran teachers, to um, brand new teachers who are just starting their first years, um, to all teachers uh, from pre-K to college, does not matter. Uh, we we salute you. We to all the teachers, we salute you. <laughs> those old Bud Light commercials. Oh, I was thinking for those about to rock. Oh, that's that's another good one. So. <laughs> Our other sponsor, uh, today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and browse the max selection of audio programs to download the title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and get started today. And remember that is T-O, not the numeral two. Why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. Uh, and of course, our recommendation today is the... The girl with a dragon tattoo. No. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Do you want to keep the bit going? I mean, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you one more. Never actually read Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. I watched the original Dutch or... Yeah, Dutch version? Uh, I, think, I think it was Finnish? Finnish. Uh, I watched the original version uh, and it was pretty good. Um, I never watched the English remake, which was pretty much shot for shot, almost. That's what I heard. It but, was not. But great. no, no, it's actually The Three Musketeers. Uh, you want to you wanna shoot for one more? Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's Where the Red Fern Grows. It is Tuck Everlasting by Natalie Babbitt, of course, narrated by by uh peter thomas is that someone that you recognize no i'm just surprised by that it's narrated by a dude what an excellent point aaron yeah it's a a very female based story and it's narrated by a dude and it's written by a woman narrated by a dude interesting audible get on that yeah um you know we appreciate you sponsoring us but get on that (laughs) They even have a book club, or Thala Kids Book Club, 40th anniversary of... Oh, wow, I didn't realize With Natalie Babbitt. Oh, yeah, it's been out for quite some time. Uh, narrated by Gregory McGuire, Colby Milfrey, Samuel, Samuel Babbitt. Oh, and probably Nat- Natalie Babbitt. So Yeah, that's super cool. That uh, The book's been around for a while. I actually just learned that they turned it into a musical, too, like in the last couple of years. Or I'm I, sorry. Uh, <laughs> what? Or perhaps I mean a theater production. Okay, theater. Nope, stage musical. Good God. Is there anything that they won't turn into a musical? I suppose not. I believe it also won an award for best costume design for the 2015-2016 okay. season. You know, costume design, that's... The, this absolutely lends itself to it because you because of how many time periods period pieces yeah. tend to uh but did you know this movie is actually a remake yeah that there unquote? was another there was an original movie remake and then disney remade 
Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, in 81. So, um, But it's also funny that the actress who played uh, Alexis Bedell's mother was in Sissy Spacek's uh, big role of Carrie. Oh. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of a fun little connection. That is interesting. Uh, which Sissy S- Spacek played uh, May Tuck. Mm-hmm. So... But uh, Second Everlasting is a, is a tidy little book. It's only three and a half hours when it's narrated. So. Yeah. And it's probably on one of your students' reading lists. So. Yeah. And I, I can see. I, I even remember reading it. Like, it was funny because I remember there was a bunch of books that we had to read. And I was like, I, was like, I don't like these. And then, like, this one, I remember enjoying for the most part, though I don't remember any of it. And then, um, Of Mice and Men, I remember enjoying. And then, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, I still remember enjoying To Kill a Mockingbird. I remember most of that one, too. That might need to be on our list, truthfully. Uh, Natalie Babbitt's prose is really fun and unique. The first, I guess, prologue chapter uh, talks about how the cows... Uh, would come up to the wood and for some reason, perhaps because they were just cows, they turned right and walked all the way around the wood instead of going through. Of course, if they had gone through the wood, then they might have found the spring and then other people might have found the spring. But because of the sage wiseness of these cows, without even realizing they were wise, they kept the spring a secret. Like this this funny little paragraph all about how the cows kept the secret of immortality. And it's it's got a fun way of handling its dialogue and its prose. It seems like Natalie Babbitt has a, a fun way about her um, her writing style. Because you said like with the, the toe, like with the... Um, uh, Winnie talking to the toad and everything like that. So, but to download your t- free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea. That's audibletrial.com slash married to the idea for your free audiobook. I, I don't really, um, I, do you have a question? Well, so the first question was, what Ooh, would you... Multiple questions. Well, at the beginning, I said, would you drink from the spring? Would you want to live forever? Um, Do you want to live forever? Hey. <laughs> uh, well, let's break it down even further then. <laughs> um, do you think anyone should be allowed to live forever? One of the themes that the man in the yellow suit brings up is that the Tucks were simple people. They were literally going through on their way out west to build a life for themselves. They were simple uh, workers of the land. And they all drink from the spring except the cat. That's important. (laughs) Uh, And the man in the yellow suit says it that, you know, I want this spring. You know, I'll take some for me, of course. But really, it's because you people... You're too simple. You don't understand what you have here. It would be better if I sold this to people for a few, of course. The people that I think are worthy. Literally, the man in the yellow suit is playing God at this point. He's saying, I deserve to live forever. And the people that of my choosing also deserve to live forever. And he he finds no qualm in it. Uh, it's really... It's, be- it's believable and relatable, but also ultimately sinister. And the way you talk about that webcomic, that eventually you live long enough that you are like gods, where you start wars, or you <laughs> yeah. bleed into the night. It's this idea of 
that these simple people were the people who discovered it. And because of their simplicity and their honesty and their goodness, they kept it secret instead of sharing it. Instead of, and it's their selflessness, which looks like selfishness to the outside world. People who haven't crossed the veil, haven't gone to the other side and said, oh, immortality sucks a big one. <laughs> yeah, too. Uh, and, and it's funny because um, the movie maybe does a better job at this. Uh, with showing how Winnie, whenever she spends time with the Tux, that she's she has no idea how much time she spends with them because she loses all track of time because they I have like a that. slow way of doing things. They take their time. They do it uh, with um, purpose. They do it with... Uh, they, oh, there's a, another way they said it. Uh, they know that it's like they knew they didn't... They had, they had all the time in the world. Exactly. Um, that it's a life worth living is a life worth living right. And um, so, and it was, it, that's kind of, it, and it's so nice. And then of course, and it's, it's this has to take place during summer because when does time seem to just stand still or last forever? I'm so glad you say that. Yeah, literally the first chapter after it talks about the cows, it says that this took, this, this takes place in the first week of August. And the first week of August is such a strange time. We're actually in the first week of August right now, which I thought was so cool. Spooky. And they talk about how the air just hangs and it's motionless and there's there's no sound or breeze. There might be lightning, but the rain never comes and it's just so oppressive, like it's waiting for something. And I'm like, that's pretty cool that we're hitting that now. But yes, that you picked it up without even reading it. That yeah, that's exactly what they intended it to be. This just this this waiting time. Yeah, in the book she's only there one night. Um, it's very fast turnaround. In the morning, the man in the yellow suit is already there. Does he bring along a monkey? No monkey. He's not that curious. I do uh, I do like the choice of Ben Kingsley to play the man in the yellow suit. The man in the yellow suit is described as being. Um, strangely attractive as in like um as in you there's something you like about him even as there's something about him that you're turns scared you off. about how much you like him yeah he's so he's so uh, enjoyable he he talks well and eloquently and he has says all the right things like when he's what would you call it when he's coercing the family into selling him the wood into giving it to him he's like He's just drinking his tea, and he's like, I don't have to spell it out for you. With dumber folk, I would, but you are an intelligent sort. I can see it in your eyes, good sir. I don't have to that, tell you. That backhanded compliment. Oh, those jeans look so good on you. I wouldn't wear them because I normally wouldn't wear those kind of jeans, but they look so good on you. Yeah, you you know what's on here. You know what I'm about. I don't have to spell it out for you. You're sensible folk. You understand. <laughs> Uh, and uh, whenever the actor who plays the father is on screen, I, I, I adore him instantly. I grew up with him as Sidney Bristow's dad. So Yeah, that this actor, he's one of those actors that you've seen him somewhere. A lot of people during the 80s, I want to say. Seen uh, him in Frasier. Yeah, he was, in... he was in Frasier for an, epi- uh, an episode. He was in... Um, uh, Will and Grace for an episode. He's he's been around the block. He's actually he's a fan freaking tastic actor. Yeah, the the mom and dad roles they are nothing in the book, and it's really Beefed cool to see them. Yeah, it's really cool to bring it in. And uh, there is also uh, no getting sent off to a boarding school and no 
time where she breaks out and has a stickball uh, <laughs> game in the middle of the street. All those things, like uh, again, little things. Oh, it's that rich girl. Oh, too good to get your shoes dirty. No, I'm too good to have this scene in my movie. Can we <laughs> remove this, please, director? <laughs> Can we cut this out, director, please? Not not the stickball scene, but this just this exchange. Yeah. Uh, I I do want to give special mention um, to the scene with the actual explanation where uh, the brother. Oh, poor man. Miles, where he he finally everything's just laid out, where it is l- completely just put out on the table. Uh, you know, uh, they drank and they didn't know. They settled down. Miles married. He had a wife and he had two children. And the years go by, and he continues not to age. And his wife looks at him, and year by year, little by little, she gets more and more afraid and upset until she she says that it has to be that he sold his soul to the devil to maintain his youth and, and she he, and he tries to convince her just come with me to find this well you can drink from it the children can drink from we'll it live forever we will live forever and um she takes them away and she takes the children away and he has to sit idly by and watch as his daughter dies of the flu and his son dies I believe they say that if he was still alive, if he is alive, he'll be 80 at this point because it's been so long. In the book, we don't know what happens to okay. them. I, I, in uh, the mother, uh, the wife does not go to an insane asylum, so far as I know. But the story of the man in the yellow suit is true that his grandmother talked to her friend who talked about a family that never grew old and her children and. It was the wife of Miles that told the grandmother of the man in the yellow suit that yeah. led this whole thing to be here. Um, but I this this whole scene is very well acted. It starts it's it starts not abruptly, but like he's drunk from the tavern and um, he's he's a dick um, and he's just kind of um, he gets thrown out of the tavern. He stumbles back and he goes into the wood and he stumbles upon them and he's and he sees uh jesse trying to tell her the secret and he's like you want to know fine here's the secret and he tell and he just lays it all out cards on the table um and it is so well acted in fact i, I gotta give special mes- mention to uh the actor scott uh barristow um barstow or barstow um, B-A-I-R-S-T-O-W. Okay. Anyways, this actor wanted to be in this movie so much that he did it for free. Whoa. Yeah. That's, that is commitment not only to this part, but to your craft. Well, this is a really big cast. Like, a lot of big names in the cast. He, and this actor, he was pretty big at the time. Now, he's not done much since, but he's pretty big at the time. And like this scene, he could put that in his reel. And like, if I was a director and I saw that, I would consider him for a lot of roles. <laughs> um, uh, of course, Alexis Bedell has done a lot. William Hurt still gets work. Um, Sissy Spacek is still Sissy Spacek. And then um, uh, even Jesse Tuck, uh, he was kind of a thing before, and then he actually still has a lot of acting roles. He was in Nashville, the TV show Nashville. Oh, okay. Um, he was on General Hospital for a while. He's actually won a Emmy or two. 
So that's very cool. But he's more than just a pretty face. Exactly. Which you could kind of see it in this role. It's not a very meaty role. It's a little bit more about his appearance, but he does bring a little bit of depth to it. But this Miles role, this, this Scott does a fantastic job. So, and of course, Alexis Bedell is a great actress. Let's be honest. Who else could do? Rory Gilmore like the way she does and this is not Rory Gilmore in the early 1900s this is she this is a completely different character I would say her character probably in um, Sisterhood of Traveling Pants is Rory Gilmore but that that just might be typecasting because uh, uh, Jared Paladecki actually was offered the role of Jesse Tucker because they, because of their on-screen chemistry in Gilmore Girls, but <laughs> he wanted to work with other people, so he turned it down. I appreciate that. That would have been a little too much. Yeah, too I, much synergy. I, I'm okay with that. Like I like Jared Paladecki for the most part, but it's like, I'm okay with that. So uh, there's also to describe a difference between uh, Miles and Jesse. Jesse is described as as thin and lightweight, where uh, Miles is is broad and still so it's like to describe the further differences between them almost like a, a pond versus a, a stream mm-hmm, exactly uh there let's talk about uh let's have our little uh, feminist corner let's talk about uh alexis and uh may honestly actually most all the women in this have a really nice time uh in the movie they take away i think some of the blame that winnie foster might feel because in the book she does walk away, uh, but she's the one who hears the music, and when the man in the yellow suit comes, uh, she uh, hears the music. She's like, oh, I've heard that before, and it kind of like gets the man in the yellow uh, suit looking. And then when she's kidnapped, they tell her the whole story to explain what's happened, and he's nearby, and he hears the whole thing too. Um, and then when they realize that May is going to get arrested and get hung, uh, because of all these things that have happened that are directly her fault and responsibility, she's the one who actually comes up with the idea of switching spaces with May so they have time to escape because they don't know what, they're just going to prior take her out, but then as soon as he finds out, they'll be on their heels again. So she offers this idea up to make sure that they get away with more time. And it gives her a bit more agency. And this one they traded off for a bit more emotional maturity, which I do enjoy. It's really Miles' fault that everything kind of happens because they make him into more of this you know bad boy angsty character and so he gets drunk and the man in the yellow suit follows him yada yada but in this one she's like no I can't go with you you know I I have to stay here and um she doesn't have as much guilt for having to fix this she just wants to fix it she just wants to help and she comes up with the idea of them chasing her which again isn't in the book but it's fun to have them be these immortal ghosts that just get shot and get back up again that was fun yeah um i i have to say it probably worked there's not one that's better i think because the story that how the changes are different for the book versus the movie like how Winnie is 10 or 11 in the the book and like I think 15 say, 17 in the movie I think they say she's 10 and three quarters which was very nearly 11 11 if anyone had bothered to ask so you know one of those children who think I'm I'm almost I'm 10 and three quarters I'm, I'm very most I'm 11. pre-preteen yeah 
that would make it makes sense for a child to take responsibility for their actions because that's one big thing that you have to teach children is empathy and responsibility and you know taking responsibility for your actions um you know that's and for a teenager learning emotional responsibility and emotional maturity they know what they're doing is wrong but learning how to feel bad about it shows maturity so it's not necessarily one is better than the other it's that this one is changed because this is more of a child's perspective and this is more of a teenager's perspective so you know in all honesty they both kind of work and i I hate to admit it like because the book does a good job with it but it's they don't really play on anything with the uh, immortality it's just a switch i like the movies version better because they do have the fun thing with like we are sent here from hell. Like I thought because they had swords in their hands and it's like lightning. I thought it was, they were going to get struck by lightning. Ooh. I thought that was, gonna, but they, he ends up getting shot, which is still fun. But I thought, you know, cause they were like holding swords. I'm like, Oh my God, are they about to get struck with lightning. Ah. Uh, and then may, uh, they keep it very much intact that she's the one who clubs the man in the yellow suit in the back of the head yeah, and ends up killing him. Kicks ass. Uh, but in the book, it's a bit more clear that she wasn't going to do that. Not even for her family would she be willing to kill. It's only when the man in the yellow suit says that uh, maybe I'll make Winnie drink first, and then she can show off everything. Like until he threatens to, you see, to let to make her drink from the spring and attain immortality without her consent. That's when May picks up and beans him in the back of the head. She wouldn't do it to save herself, but she would to save this girl well yeah because may is one of the best mother characters around she's she is a molly weasley she is a uh crap you would think i would have more great mother (laughs) characters on tap but unfortunately linda belcher linda (laughs) (laughs) linda belcher is a good modern example but she's not a great mother Like, oh, they're she's all a great, ter- they're she, all terrible people. Yeah, and, and I love you all, but you're all terrible people. Um, but <laughs> crap, uh, it's and increasing the role of the mother and the grandmother, I think, is really really cool. In in the book, it's very nice about showing that at the end, when she's found in the jail cell and the constable's threatening to have her up on charges, even though she's just a child, like I will arrest you and this and that. And she, she just has to tell her family, like, why'd you do it? Like, I love the Tucks. I had to help them. They're my friends. And they stand with her, even as the whole town turns on them. They're like, she, she did what she had to do. We're standing by her. Um, and they don't get much more beyond that, but you get the sense that they clearly do love her and they, they stand by what she decided to do. Uh, in the movie, by adding in this scene of death within the family and the mother dropping her stoicism, like that made me cry. And yeah, and it, uh, a grandmother death scene is sure to pull on some heartstrings from yours truly. Mm-hmm. Um, the I, I'm gonna have to admit the 
the whole thing with the family just blindly agreeing, which, I mean, family needs to stick by family. Well, they don't the first time. Like, the first time they say, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. She, of course, was kidnapped. She's, but after repeated times of her continuing to make these choices, they have to be like, well, she, she's making her own choices. She is becoming an adult. She has the right to make these decisions and do what she thinks is best. Um, it still feels a little bit, um, little Nemo-ish. Like, the family is, oh, well, that's little Nemo. Well, they don't let her go anywhere. She's stuck behind the wall pretty much indefinitely for quite some time. Without, and her grandmother has to be with her at all times. So, she's only grounded, but she, they know she did it for the right reasons. Oh, Winnie. (laughs) (laughs) Talk Everlasting is recorded in in front of a live studio audience. Um, the movie with the family with rather the mother breaking down the stoicism and finally seeing you know her daughter as becoming an adult and growing up reminds me a lot of um I hate to say it but the best scene in bridge to terapithia because that movie is it's not hot garbage but it is vastly underwhelming and um considering its source material yeah and what's the um unfocused funnily funny i couldn't find that word <laughs> uh it's so unfocused because it can't decide what kind of movie it wants to be and lord knows the marketing for the that movie did not know what the hell i wanted it to be i thought i wanted it to be the chronicles of narnia exactly but it ain't and also wanted to be a little harry potter yeah a little bit so, but the, but the best scene, I, I mean, big old spoiler, but, uh, what's her face dies? Leslie dies. Yeah. Blonde chick, she dies. Sorry. She his, dies. His friend dies. He doesn't go with her that day and she swings on the rope bridge and the rope bridge snaps and she goes right down into the water and drowns. Which, let's be honest, it, uh, well, okay. The, and the main character blames himself because... He wasn't there. He wasn't there. If he had been there, he might've been able to run and get help or run and help her or the rope may have not have broken or he might have fallen in and might have been able he she wasn't a strong support whatever he blames himself and he doesn't really come to terms with it until he's literally being chased through the woods by this black hooded figure which turns out to be a manifestation of his father robert patrick saying you know you you have to come to terms with this and you have to admit that it's not your fault and you have to grow and fuck a duck Robert Patrick and um god damn I'm forgetting his name. Um little um little, little Peta. Little Peta uh both of them just MVP acting right there. Just oh my god, hit you in the heartstrings but you feel good about it. Like that's the kind of Disney stuff that I I look for. That's why I really like what Disney did with Tuck Everlasting. They could have gone a different route and maybe if it hadn't been made in the early 2000s, that might have been what would have happened if they had tried to do it now with a bunch of little tweeny boppers. But the way it stands, they don't shy away with just long shots of nature oh, and yeah. uh, musings and thoughts and just really simple scenes, nice, quiet setups. There's definite... Um... There's no whimsy moments. There are, but they're not done in a way that's like <gasps> whimsy it's more like 
hey, this is happening. Yeah, like they're in the and, waterfall and yeah, she jumps it's, in. It's whimsy, but not just for, hey, look at this sake. It's whimsy like this is supposed to be feel like it's whimsy. Like or not even whimsy, you're supposed to feel in the moment. Yeah. You're in the, supposed in the to moment be is a good way to say it. Yes. Things that you wouldn't normally do because it's summer and you're in love and you just do it. And can we talk about how great the um not the soundtrack but the score is? The score for this movie. The like, haunting music box tune. That's exactly uh, what I thought it would be when I was reading. Just this minor chord, lilting tune, little bit of hope, but a lot of darkness. Like, and it's just a music box. It's so, yeah, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, and because this was made around the same time too, it the tune kind of reminds me of um, If Only, If Only. It's true. Yeah, it's I get not that. the same. It's not the same song, same tune, or anything like that. It's just the this. It's the same kind of style. Like if only, if only is a very sad song, but it's still. It's almost like a lullaby that you sing to your children, that they look back on this with nostalgia, but the kind of nostalgia like, like a sadness nostalgia. You know. Yeah, they talk about the actually. Now that we say music box, I suddenly get the symbolism. Um, so this music box is like May's like little pride and joy. She's always playing it. But there's a, there's this thing about a music box. A music box is kind of like life, but it's also like the tux. You wind it up, and it plays really strongly, and then it fades out quietly, and then it's over. But not for the tux. You wind it up again, and it starts all over again. It's like this quiet little metaphor. Symbolism. Symbolism. And I love how our English teachers would always say whenever a character falls into water or goes into a rainstorm, there's always some sort of rebirth. It's always well, rebirth. you could always say when uh, Winnie finds Jesse literally putting water onto himself that he's getting reborn for Winnie. Yeah. So. There's a lot of ways to interpret literature. I wonder why a lot of uh, English English classes use this book. Mm. Huh. Mm. Let me stroke my beard on this. Hey, ch- chin stroke, chin stroke. Mm. Chin, 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 chin. So, um, is this the best movie ever? No. There's there's um, some problems. The, the antagonism of the mother character and... Um, uh, miles gets to be much a little much at times um but they are able to push through with some very strong performances by the actress and the actor um respectively uh the uh, score is well done the leads are a little bland i'm not gonna blame that solely on uh, alexis bedell and jonathan jackson i think is his name um they they tried. I really, I really feel like they tried. I mean, like, I mean, of course, Alexis Bedell is Alexis Bedell. She's sweetheart. So I'm not. I'm not going to put the focus on them. I'm going to put it more on the writing because I, I think the book kind of had to grow up. Winnie and Winnie isn't a terrible character. I think just because they had to grow her up and when you grow up a character without giving her much more depth, she has more depth, but not much more. You kind of have to blame, it kind of blends her out a little bit. Um, and then let's, let's be honest. Jesse's not the most enti- and exciting character. He's that, f- that first exciting boyfriend you've ever had. And well, that's 
that's the curse of being young forever. Ah. I, I see what you're pl- I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> I see what you're doing there. So, um, and then, let, let's be perfectly honest, William Hurt was a bit miscast in this role. He wasn't completely, but it's William Hurt. Well, William Hurt is an actor in general is a little <laughs> miscast. <laughs> Sorry, was that you mean? I love you, wife. That's what I thought, too. <laughs> um, we still have one more Summer of Disney episode coming up, Oof. and it's the worst. Please don't make me do it, Aaron. Please, for the love of God, please. We've got to. Um, I don't want to. Oh, I, I can review that without watching it. That's how much I know what's going to happen. I don't think you can. I've, I, I know there's going to be some higher points than the, the, the mediocrity that we're expecting. What else? If you think you know what it is, you can uh, follow us on Facebook and let us know. Married to the idea. You can also email us at marriage to the idea reviews at gmail.com if you think we missed a prime example for a summer of Disney movie. And if you want to find out more about all of our episodes, we're in season three. You can head out to our website, marriedtotheidea.weebly.com. We put links to all of our episodes up there and links to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash marriedtotheidea, where you can be a part of our sponsor dome or just throw us a little cash each month because you like us. You like us. You really like us. And I hope you know that we base ourselves for your amusement. And uh, we do have a new theme coming up after Summer of Disney that I'm um, excited about. It may not start right after the Summer of Disney, but it will definitely be Aaron always soon. gets Halloween, but I've come up with one that I think should be pretty fun. Yeah. It may, it may to, so we can give it a full month, we may do it after Halloween. So. Okay. Fair Depend, enough. Depends. Just depends on when we have time. So, because we have not one, but two uh, vacations coming up. Yeah, don't 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 get it twisted. We enjoy our lives way too much to be podcasting. <laughs> we're and uh, and we're looking at um, maybe some different audio editing techniques too. So mm-hmm. you might hear some uh, quality differences soon. The, Hopefully, knock on wood. The editor thanks you. Yeah. So, but yes. If you have any ideas, uh, post summer of Disney. Let us know. Uh, share and share alike. We always appreciate it. And if you have any uh, personal messages, business messages, let us know. Uh, we throw you into the sponsor dome. Uh, we always love to do that as we copy the good, good boy. So uh, until next time, uh, she's always been Elizabeth. He will forever be Aaron. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea.